Good morning, guys. Welcome to Enterprise Label. Glad you're here. Phil's been encouraging us through the leadership team to have guys show up at 6.45 in the morning, do a little bit of fellowship ahead of time instead of doing it after the meetings. And uh, Phil was out last week. Ben and Ron filled in. And uh, Phil, Phil was just talking to me. He said, man, look at the room. Paradigm shift. It's great. Guys are showing up earlier now. Yeah, they thought Ben was speaking. <laughs> Come on, Phil. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, you thought it was about you. I, I, I know a good therapist. I know you're trying to hurt my feelings, but it ain't working. Ain't working. Ain't working. No, I'm Phil. We're glad you glad you took a week off and got rested and Amen. recovered. Amen. So, guys, we're continuing in the series of two faced. Two faced. Um, yeah, true faced, it should be not two faced. I guess we are two faced. We got a mask. Come on, Billy, give me a little credit. You got a mask, and then you've got the real person underneath. So, I was wondering this morning, you know, that mask, where did that mask originate? How did it show up? How did we get that mask? I think when you look in the scripture, and again, I, I profess quickly, I'm not a Bible scholar, I'm not the guy you want to have when the Bible trivia breaks out in the Walmart parking lot as Phil talks about. <laughs> but where does it start? And as men, how do we put that mask on and keep it there? Well, as men, we're supposed to be the fixers. We're supposed to be the ones that are able to make it right. But in Scripture, it's very clear that God said, all are broken. All. Not just the guy next to you. You as well. We're all broken. And we covered that with a mask. And I found through the years, whether you carry this with you or you have an app on your phone, showing up on Thursday mornings, the Bible is very important. You can highlight in it. You can highlight on your phone. Either one will be fine. But this one, which one is this one? Come on, interactive. Which one is this one? Don't look at the title on it. Journal. That one you can't keep on your phone. This one has to be pen and paper. Not being prideful, but there's about seven or eight books this size on a shelf in my office. I'm coming to men's roundtable, taking notes, going to deer camp, spending quiet time. And I find myself like earlier this year, reflecting back on some of those journals 14, 15 years ago looking where my walk was then, the struggles that I was facing then, and the struggles that I face now. It's a way for me to see that God was with me then, and God is with me now. It's also a way for me to look and see what men were in my life at that time, and men that are in my life now. Community. It's what this is about. Deer camp is coming up. Before we have deer camp in September, we've got two-gun tactical next Tuesday night. That is a session about an hour and a half long. Phil comes in, he's able to teach a little bit. It's a little bit different format, a little more intimate setting. 25, 30 guys that are there, you're welcome to join. Hope you can make it. Bring a friend along with you if you feel uncomfortable showing up by yourself. If you'd like to come early, the range is open. They'll make accommodations for you to be able to shoot a pistol if you'd like to before the, before the meeting. It's in the email. If you're not getting emails or not getting text messages, 
If you would be sure your name is on the list when you come in. If it's not there, please put that information there. That way you can stay in touch with what we've got going on and uh, we'll know who is in C Spire's building as they are our host and they do want to know who's coming and going to the building. Without me, open will word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for my brothers that are gathered here. I thank you for Phil as he takes your message, shares it with us. Lord, I ask that you speak through him, not his words, but your words, God. May they come alive. May we hear them. May they open our hearts, open our ears. You let me pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Good to be back with you. Appreciate uh, Ben and uh, Roan uh, pitch hitting. Uh, we did our uh, annual family beach week. Um, um, in honor of my dermatologist, I call it my skin peel week. You know, some, some of these ladies spend hundreds of dollars to get a skin peel. Dude, just go sit on the beach for a week, you know? That'll, 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 that'll peel that skin back. It's a lot cheaper and a lot more fun as far as I'm concerned. But we had a great uh, family time and feel rested and got a lot of reading in and uh, ready to go this morning. One of, one of the things that I wanted to mention, and Jeff helped me with this, um, when I was um, down at Perdido Key, I tried to log in um, to the uh, 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 meeting, of course, last Thursday. I had difficulty. You may be having difficulty. And Jeff and I discovered last night that... Uh, that if you are trying to log in on Safari as your browser, that may not work. And so we, uh, Jeff kind of helped me uh, figure that out last night. And so uh, if you go through Google as your browser, then it works just fine. Um, and then um, I even, let's see, what was it? I tried to log in live, uh, Jeff, and couldn't log in live for some reason. What, what, would, what would you say about that? Okay, it's working now. Okay, so all right, so we're all, we're all good. But um, believe me, if I can get straight down on this IT stuff, then you can. Um, so, well, gentlemen, um, I want to offer you a song this morning. Um, again, um, music um, is certainly one of God's ways of waking our heart to Him and. We're going to continue to use um, the uh, great hymn by John Newton, uh, Amazing Grace. And um, this is, uh, I mean, in, in my mind, being connected to bluegrass and country uh, as I am in my roots, I would be amiss not to offer you uh, a version by Randy Travis, right, Tim? I and mean, we've got to have Randy Travis in there, you know? So, so this is Randy Travis. Um, uh, version of Amazing Grace uh, that he sung uh, at George Jones' funeral, Possum. And I wanted to just highlight um, there in your uh, handout is the uh, original uh, lyrics of John Newton's incredible hymn. And uh, just drop down to, uh, to verse 5. Uh, Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease. I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. Randy Travis singing at George Jones's funeral. 
Uh, may you hear the voice of God, and may he open all of our hearts to what he has for us this morning. Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved the wretch Like me I once was lost But now was blind but now I see it was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved How precious, dear, that grace appeared. The hour I first believed through many dangerous toils and snares. His grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace shall lead me home when we've been there ten. Shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. As we continue our series, free to be a man, take the mask off and ride the open road of grace. Many men try to hide and pretend they are not broken. Hello, my name is Phil and I'm a... <laughs> Let me just finish the first part and then, and I am broken and I am a sinner saved by grace. Thank you. Glad you're here. But this only leads to more hiding, pretending, and despair 
and nothing ever changes. We fear that God is almost never pleased. Gentlemen, one of the uh, principles that I have learned uh, through our men's community and how I have been fathered and ministered to that, that has been ringing in my ears just this summer. I mean, we've said it, you know, for years in a roundabout way, but it's become clearer to me this summer. And it's this, I want to be a man who is known rather than found out. Now that may be original, kind of. I want to be a man who is known rather than found out. And that's what we've been doing now coming up as we begin deer camp season uh, for the 22nd year. We start year 22 um, when we do September deer camp. This study will lead us into the light between two very different underlying motives, our determination to please God or to trust him. One results in a striving that never feels it has done enough to please him, and the other results in a trust that experiences the full, his full pleasure. I can't read that paragraph um, uh, without thinking of my 94-year-old daddy. Um, and I've, you know, I've kind of kept you guys up to date a little bit, and you know, he's, he's struggling. He's 94, and he's living by himself. My sister checks in on him every day. Um, and my daddy, uh, his, his grandfather started the little country church that I grew up in. And, and my dad, one of my dad's greatest value that I have learned just in um, the last couple of years is that he is so proud and he is so valued that little country church, much the way I value what we have here and what we have at Ebenezer Place. I mean, it's really kind of a parallel in a sense. And I, I so much more respect um, his value of that. Um, but when I read that, what saddens me is my dad, because of the little country church and kind of the um, rigidity, the teaching, the Armenian uh, viewpoint, is if you ask him if he, if, he died, if he woke up, would he wake up in heaven? And he would say, I sure hope so. That so saddens me. Now, I, now I, I truly believe that there is a sense of humility there, but I also believe there's some bad biblical teaching there from my perspective. I mean, when we uh, are under this umbrella of grace, God wants us to know we win. We win. It's like fear is nothing more than crossing over the river, right? It's just a transition. My daddy is just hoping, and he just, it saddens me. That's just bad teaching, just bad teaching. And I, of course, I could go into that whole teaching, but got a little bit of a different plan. Talk to me later if you need that teaching. Our motives as Jesus followers will either keep us enslaved in our hiding or free us into God's adventure for our lives. Let's discover the open road of grace together, right on. And so guys, I would invite you, uh, I'm gonna work a lot on the dry board as time allows, so um, write this down, just, just as a way to listen with your pen. 
And let me review this. This is what we've been working with. We're either working out of the paradigm of pleasing God or trusting God. And of course, this is not where you want to be. This is what the gospel invites us to be. The pleasing God uh, paradigm is, is a well-intended uh, paradigm, but the only way to please God is to trust God. By trusting God, I please him. So in, in one sense, you know, wanting to please God is not a bad motive, but if it is your motive that is uh, driving your value system, then what you're going to value in this motive, value, action paradigm is performance. And, and that's what my daddy, 94 years old, is kind of living under. Um, it's like his performance is what's going to dictate um, his eternity. It's like, no, no, it is the blood of Jesus. It is by grace that we are saved. And when we are working under performance, um on a very subtle can be very subtle then we're striving we're striving we're striving and you know you can't do anything if you're uh, well if you're not relaxed right um i learned i i remember playing little league baseball and you know when i kind of got uh, in into where i could relax at the plate i could hit a baseball but when i first started you know, good night, you know, butt cheeks all squeezed up, all tense, all tense. You know, my good friend Tim plays the guitar and uh, I don't play the guitar. I love watching Tim play the guitar, but I would say that Tim is much more able to be relaxed and enjoy the music than when he started and kind of tensed up. Bear Tim, please say yes. <laughs> You'll mess up my whole uh, illustration there. So it's like, this will never work, gentlemen. But what this paradigm of grace invites us into, the gospel of grace invites us into rest and gratitude. R.C. Sproul said that the one word that ought to capture our hearts every morning if we're a Jesus follower is gratitude. Gratitude. Isn't that cool? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Have so much more than I deserve. No matter what I'm dealing with, still have so much more than what I deserve. Jeff, pull up Galatians chapter five, verse one. This is this has kind of been our theme uh, passage through this whole process, this whole series. Christ has set us free to live a free life, to be free, not to be inhibited. You can't hit a baseball if you're not free. You can't play the guitar if you're not free. You can't really live if you're striving in your own performance. You know, there's probably men in this room, maybe, that have been put on performance in your job. You weren't doing the job. And if you're an employer, you've probably put guys on performance. You know, in my experience is if you have to put a guy on performance, you probably should have fired him the day you put him on performance. It's kind of the way it works. It's just, you know, I mean, you know, that can work. But it's like the guy's not getting it. And part of the reason he's not getting it is because he's operating out of fear 
or he's just not um, um, disciplined, he's lazy, he's not focused. But it's this idea that we are free to live life. So take your stand. Never, never, never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you and live over here. I want you to think for a minute, somebody that you believe lives over here, and that's who I want to reach this morning. I, my, my goal this morning in the few minutes that we have is move guys from here over here. And obviously those guys may be in this room, or those guys may be in your head and in your life that you could actually have them watch uh, this video. It'll be posted later today on our podcast. But it's like, man, wouldn't it be great for the people in, that, that you know that are in your life that are living uh, under some kind of enslaved paradigm to be able to be free to be loved? And that's what we're talking about this morning, the gift of grace. The gift of grace is love, to be able to receive love. And I've got people in my head right now that I'm thinking, man, if they could just understand God's grace and start receiving love, um, they would be able to express love. But when you are not able to receive love, then you will put yourself and everybody else on performance. Now that's that's critical. I wish I could say that, Kevin, more profound. I don't know how to say it. Any any clear, right? You're it on the All right, like good. Most, like most men, I take this stuff home and just uh, the message. Yeah. yeah. All right, good. Turn over to First John, chapter four. <clears throat> And um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna throw Jeff a little curveball. He can probably stay up with me here, but I, I want to read chapter four, verses seven through ten first. And I didn't have that in the notes, and then and then drop down to the one that we have in the notes in verse nineteen. So um, Jeff is feverishly working to pull up seven through ten because I forgot to tell him. But First uh, John chapter four. Listen to this uh, seven through ten. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. It, guys, it's all about love somehow. And I'm telling you, people over here that live over here, they suck at love. Um, they, they can't receive it and they can't give it. Everything is performance. Everything is performance. And, and, and part of my woundedness as, as a boy, I know, came from my father's inability to know how to love because everything was about performance. And, and now I look back on it and I, can, I feel compassion for him and forgiveness because I understand now that he was living over here. And it's like, man, when you live over here, you are free to be loved and free to love. Amen. And if you have never received love and you don't feel love, you are certainly not a giver of love. You cannot give that which you have never received. 
Even the Bible says, uh, forgive how? As you have been forgiven. So receive it and then give it. Everyone who loves is born of God. Implication is what? If you're not a lover, you're not born of God. Don't call yourself a Jesus follower. And experiences a relationship with God. Guys, I don't want to tell you that I am a Jesus follower. I want to tell you stories of how I have experienced Jesus, how he's spoken to me, how, how he is real, how he walks with me and talks with me. The person who in, refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. Guys, sober up. Sober up. If you are being inhibited and prohibited in your ability to love, then you've never experienced grace. And, and, and that is a serious place to be. It's like, I can't love that person. I, 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 just, I just don't love. Wow. Well, then, you know, you might want to take a, a, a sobering step back. Do you really know God? Really? This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. We might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. When did God send Jesus? When you were rebelling against God. He didn't wait for you to clean your life up. Now, man, he moved into the neighborhood is the way the uh, Eugene Peterson translates John 1, 14. He moved into the hood, to the neighborhood, to your neighborhood and my neighborhood, and he set up camp. And he said, come over here. I'll give you a better life. I love you. So then jump down to verse 19. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. He loved us first. And guys, I'm telling you, if you're struggling with your performance of love, it's because you've never really tasted grace. And you cannot give what you have never been given. And if you're not a grace giver, it's because you've never experienced yourself. Jeffrey? Yeah, no. It's got to be an experience of love. I feel love. I feel like I can't think it in my head. I'm, I mean, that's what the Pharisees did. That's what religious guys did. I mean, they, they knew all the Bible trivia. I mean, you know, if you want to play Bible trivia, get you a good Pharisee. Man, they're, they're great. Bible trivia. But I don't want to know Bible trivia. I want to know God. And I want to be a lover. I want to be full of grace. So pick up your pen with that introduction.
I've got three questions. What needs do you have today? Now guys, that's an a absolutely critical question. Let me give you just a little bit of background where that question comes from. What is a need? A need is anything that God says he does. That's how you define a need. God says, I forgive you. Wow, I must need forgiveness. God says, I love you. Must mean I need love. God says, I care about you. Must mean I, I need to be cared for. God says, I accept you. Must, need, must mean that I need to be accepted. So a need is best understood by what God does. So what would you say your needs are? I'd invite you to write down three needs this morning. And as we go through this morning, if you can't define a need, then what you will often do is rather than acknowledge your need, you will project your needs onto another person and expect them to figure out what you need that you don't even know what you need, and then be mad at them because they can't figure out what you need because you don't know what you need, and you're holding them responsible for something that you know have a, that you have no idea. How about that? Now write that down. That? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I could say that four times, Kevin, and it would be different every time. Exactly. But you get my point. And so, you know, as I've said to you many times before, you know, my experience in working with men, you know, 30 plus years is that one of the greatest uh, handicaps. Uh, that men have that every man in one sense could be able to park at Kroger in the handicap spot uh, is a lack of self-awareness. Go ahead and pull in the sand, uh, the sandy cap uh, spot, the sandy cap spot. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know what I need. Okay, come on into Kroger. You know, it's crazy. All right, second question. What is a recent experience of love that you've had that you really, really, really felt loved? An experience of love. I, I hear in my counseling office all the day, especially with men talking about their fathers, you know, I, I, I know he loved me, but he was just an angry, harsh man. But, but I know he loved me. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's dysfunction junction. I mean, when did you feel loved recently? I wish I had video this morning to show you of uh, family beach week at the sorority house. That's kind of what it is for me, you know. Uh, my daughters are there, uh, Carla's there, and, and, it, and it's kind of like, um, you know, when the girls were little, you know, they would put lipstick on me and put curlers in my hair, and I, I was the guinea pig, you know? 
and then, still doing that. And then we go to dinner. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's really pretty funny because their uh, targeting daddy as the guinea pig has really not changed. It's just a little more sophisticated. They really don't put curlers in my hair or lipstick on my on me. But it's like, you know, they're counselors and uh, life coaches. And so, daddy, we think you need help. You know, you know, we've got this new technique. We want to try it out on you. And so it's like daddy becomes the uh, guinea pig for the latest uh, new uh, counseling technique of my girls. But I love them. I love them. I love them. And yeah, uh, different season of life. They're adult young women that I'm very proud of. Uh, but man, uh, feeling loved by them um, is um, a gift of God's grace. Experience of love. Third and final question. What relationship needs repaired right now? Who needs your love? And that's what I want to address this morning. Who needs love by you? What relationship needs repaired? <clears throat> I have the privilege of sitting with so many people uh, who are trying to resolve that question right there. It is an honor and a privilege. It's holy ground. And I do the best that I can uh, to guide people toward um, a place of grace, sharing the gospel um, without being so overt about it, um, but leading to a place of grace. And when somebody comes into my office, uh, I certainly want them to feel safe. I sat with a, a man this week in Fairhope, and um, we had a two-hour session, which is very rare. I had it in my schedule and had a two-hour session, and we're about an hour and a half into the two hours. And I finally just stopped him, and I said, dude, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Can you accept that? I said, I, I feel like right now that you're sitting in front of me, and we've been, we're three quarters of the way through, a, through our session. And your hand has not been up literally, but I feel like it's been up the whole way. And it's like, dude, I don't, I don't know how to help you if you put a stop sign up. I truly believe that you need to be loved and you're so afraid um, that you're not going to be loved and you're working really hard to make sure that I reject you and I'm not going to do that. But I feel your hand up in the air. Who needs love? And you know, my friend, the reason I think that he has that hand up, not literally, but figuratively, um, is because of his background. I mean, I know his story. And it, and it makes sense, you know. Even poor behavior, bad behavior makes sense. So guys, with that in mind, again, I would just ask you this question again. <clears throat> Why do you call yourself a Jesus follower? So you can become better? Or truly because of what you experience every day? It's what you've received that makes the difference.
And then what value do you have? And, and the value that you have over here is being able to rest and live out your life. I value uh, my connection to God more than I value what I've done or not done in a given day. It's not about my performance. And so, and so how I live my life is empowered by God rather than feeling inept and unable. Guys, that, that is a big difference. It's a big difference. Ephesians 2, verse 8 uh, through 10, that's there on your handout, says that we have been saved by grace and that we've been saved in order to live out a lifestyle for good works. And it's like, man, when you have been captured by the grace of God and you really come to grips with your own sin, your own brokenness, and it's just like, man, anything that's been done to me, I've done worser. But when I take that grandiose position and I've been hurt by somebody and I take on the position that says, you know, I would never do that. I don't do that. Dude, that is a sure uh, direction to send you to experiential hell. Now, you may not go to hell literally because of the, the gospel, but you're going to live in hell. I don't want to live in hell, you know. William Wilberforce, some 200 years ago, had his life completely changed because he shifted from here to here. And he shifted so much because of the teaching of Pastor John Newton. Pastor John Newton, the guy that nobody would even let in, his, uh, in their church uh, early on. He was a womanizer, a slave captain, he was the worst of the worst. And he came to Christ. And John, uh, William Wilberforce met him as a young man uh, at his uncle's, uh, at Wilberforce's uh, uncle's house. And when uh, Wilberforce came to Jesus in a, in a more profound way as an adult, he kept going back to John Newton, struggling with the slave trade and what he was going to do. And um, God had called him to stay in politics and use his platform um, to use uh, his sense of freedom to bring freedom to others. I'm going to show you this uh, clip to where Wilberforce is taking a huge public risk to expose a group of influential people to the reality of the slave trade. Watch this. Okay. It's all right. So um, Jeff will pull that up here in just a minute. Um, In order to enter the room of grace, um, we simply are on receive. There's nothing that we can do to make it work. 
follow with me there on your handout in the, in, in the um, first slide there. When you enter the room of grace, Jesus has some gifts for you. For every issue, every unresolved sin, every wound, God has created a gifts specifically to meet that need. Resolve that sin and heal that wound. In God's world, receiving love comes before love. And when we're ready to receive love, we'll know because we will begin to experience a process with the following steps. Now, when you're under grace, this is the process that you follow. And you can kind of work with me on this chart. Obviously, you've got the needs or the, uh, the uh, outline there. But one of the things that you that you begin to do is be free to acknowledge your needs. And I would just call that self-awareness. You've got to begin to realize I have needs. And, and as I said earlier, needs are anything that God says that he provides. That's, that's a need. Now, guys, this is a men's group. The opposite of need, uh, when you can't acknowledge your own need, you know what you do? You blame and you use criticism of self or other. And I, and I see guys living in this experiential hell all the time. Now, let me say this, because again, this is a men's group. Sex is not a need. Now, guys... That is absolutely critical. Now, I don't want to say that too loud, and I hope this doesn't go across the worldwide uh, uh, internet because it'll break up my practice. You know, my mortgage won't get paid. So baseball has been very, very good to me in the sense that men who think they need sex and have a checkbook, are always welcome in my office. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you need intimacy, and God provides that to know and to be known. But most of us as men are so superficial, and we've been so culturalized by this pornographic, sexualized culture that we live in, we think we need sex. I love sex. I hope you love sex. I assume you love sex. Um, but it's intimacy. G.K. Chesterton said, teaching mentor C.S. Lewis, every man who walks into a brothel is looking for God. He's walking into a whorehouse, but he's really looking for God. It's like being on your way to Shapley's looking for a steak and you stop by Sonic to get a hot dog. It's like, nah. you wanted something greater, but you settled for the hot dog. So it's really important to know what you need um, so that you can then begin to experience experience or feel love but guys my experience with men who are operating on this on this side of the ledger is they are bitter and even when they get love even even when they have sex 
they're still bitter. It's not satisfying. It's like Chinese food, you know? Gee, what? It's like, dude, Chinese food, you just eat and I'm, 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 I'm hungry 20 minutes later. Again, it never fills me up. It's, it's like you're so bitter that you can't even receive that which you get as love. It's never enough. Early on in my counseling practice, um, I met with a couple, and this is a true story. Maybe, maybe bridges on TMI a little bit. Okay. But they came in and, and, and he was miserable and she was confused. And um, he was claiming that she didn't love him and that they couldn't seem to get their relationship right. And, and he was mad because they weren't having sex enough. Now, this is a true story. And so when I, find, when I said, well, how often do you guys have sex? Every day, every day they had sex. True story. I'm not exaggerating. I'm thinking, how in the world do you even do that? It's like, dang. I mean, wow. You know, but, you know, I've tried to stay composed and act professional. But ends aside, I was going, holy moly. And it's just like, dude, I guarantee, I guarantee, operating over here, and you can have sex every day and it not be enough. But when, when, when you understand that what you want is closeness and you need closeness, you need to be known, you need to be seen, um, you need to be soothed, comforted, that you need to be safe and secure. All of those are legitimate needs. But when you um, can't experience that, feel that, then you're going to be bitter and it's going to be like trying to fill up a bucket with a hole in it. That makes sense. You got it, Jeff. So guys, again, we were created having experienced God to give God to others. William Wilberforce is a good model. Watch this. Gentlemen, I hope you have enjoyed our little tour of the estuary. Uh, but now our sergeant is almost over. I have a confession to make. This trip wasn't purely arranged to reward those MPs who have supported me in the past year, nor am I the only sponsor. She do not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a slave ship, the Madagascar. It has just returned from the Indies, where it delivered 200 men, women, and children to Jamaica. When it left Africa, there were 600 on board. The rest died of disease or despair. That smell is the smell of death. Slow, painful death. 
breathe it in. Breathe it deeply. Take those handkerchiefs away from your noses. There now. Remember that smell. Remember the Madagascar. Remember that God made men equal. Remember. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. And guys, remember. God sent Jesus to die for you because of your value. And you would dare treat another human being, even your wife or your son or daughter, on this side of the ledger? Remember, you act like a slave treating others worse. So what happens when we live over here? And again, we're... we're experiencing love, then we're working out of desire. I want you. One tip in terms of resolving conflict in a relationship, stop um, arguing about the topic and just stop and say, you know, what I really want, what I desire is, what I desire is that we'd be in a better place. Now, if you say what I desire is, I just want to be right. Well, as the old comedian says, you can either be happy or you can be right, but you can't be both. Desire. But when you're operating over here, you know what that looks like? Demand. Demand. I demand. Now, now again, if you're a little bit, a little bit um, aware, you may not say I demand, but that's what it sounds like. That's the tone. It's entitlement. I should, I ought, but desire is in contrast to shame, blame, fear, denial, and anger. And guys, I'm telling you, that's what fuels demand in our life. And yet when we desire, it's like, I want the best for you. I want the best for me. I want the best for us. I desire. Jesus never healed anybody unless he first asked the question implicitly or explicitly, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And if, well, I don't know. Uh, could you just whip something up? I don't even know. Dude, it ain't Santa Claus, it's Jesus. And he, he, would, he was inviting us into self-awareness and said, Jesus, I want to be healed. Then this idea of choice, or we get to choose. And this idea of choosing really is I choose to receive that which I'm given, as opposed to over here, there's no receive. It's never enough. 
what is what is the response to having been given something? What do you teach your children? Thank you. Thank you. And dude, when there's that lack of gratitude, again, you're operating on a performance. It's never good enough. And there's no receive. Which is harder, to give or to receive? Receive. Give is easy if you got it. He'll give you the shirt off his back. Well, yeah, because he's got one. But dude, when you ain't got no shirt, it is hard. That's a humbling position. And so once again, in order to really receive love, you have got to work with humility. And obviously the opposite of humility is pride. And guys who operate on this side, they are prideful. They know more than anybody else in the room. Have you ever met somebody and they have to be the smartest guy in the room? Again, I make a living on those guys. They come in my office. And, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to realize they're in my office and not their office. And then this idea, when you're operating over here, it is the possi possible, uh, it is possible to be fulfilled, to really be uh, satisfied. You know what the theological word for that is? Propitiation. Propitiation is the theological word that says that Jesus satisfied the debt. And so therefore I can live with a full belly of grace as opposed to this, this idea over here, of course, is dissatisfied. Never. Never, 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 never satisfied. And so once I, I'm working through this side of the ledger, then I am free to love others. Grace-filled people are lovers. And yet over here, you know what this side of the ledger produces? self-absorbed people. In, 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 in our counseling practice, we call them narcissists. They're self-absorbed. One of the things in that clip that I wanted you to see is how much William Wilberforce was trying to get this, these aristocratic people to have empathy. He wasn't trying to shame them. He was trying to elicit empathy. Remember, remember, this side produces empathy. This side produces complaining. There's no empathy. And that is what a, what a um, narcissist suffers from. Empathy deprivation. So guys, we'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, just simply um, says this, uh, 15 through 21. So watch your step. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. 
Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Be grateful. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. He put a song in my heart that I might love others. Is that song in your heart? Is that song in your heart? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Uh, we are moved to tears when we finally settle down and get our monkey brain to calm down that you would send your son to die for us when we had our fist clenched and we were in all-out rebellion against you. You moved in to the neighborhood. Thank you, Lord. We receive that by grace. Help us to be an expression of that to everyone we come in contact with today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.